0: Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, you know, the psalmist over and over and over again would, you know, would use the word Selah. And many people think that it means to stop and ponder, but it actually means that it's a suspension or a pause or an interruption. It's actually kind of like calling a timeout and, you know, you know, I'm a big sports guy. And at the end of the game, when the game is on the line, a coach always wants to know that he's got a timeout in case he needs it. Because he might need to, you know, I mean, like, you know, depends on the sport, but maybe his guys are just out of breath and they need to catch their breath. And so he's going to call a timeout, not for strategy purposes as much as my guys are winded and this is a really important moment and I need to let them catch their breath or maybe, you know, whatever the case may be. And, you know, and so they save those for those moments. And really, um, that's what that word means. It's actually an interruption or a timeout. Uh, one of the other uh, things that I've kind of just studied and prayed that I, I feel, um, you know, pretty strong about it because I see it modeled in Scripture more than I see it said is that to pull away. You know, we see that with Jesus. It says that he would withdraw for the night. In other words, he'd go get away from everybody. He'd pull away from everybody. And I believe that's partly what this means. But he didn't just go and find a good secluded place to nap. Um, you know, he acts. the Bible says he would get away and do what? He would get away and pray and spend time with the Lord. And one of the things that I've been sharing with you, and I hope that you've been catching over these last couple of weeks, is, um, you know, there's a difference between just physical tired and even like mental tired. And then there's a difference from that to even soulless tired. And then there's even spiritual tiredness. You know, and so, you know, physically tired is the easy one. You just got to go sleep. Like, you know, you just got to sleep a little bit more. Take a nap, whatever it may be. Even mental, though, sleep's not enough. It takes time. It takes a combination of time and sleep. You know, if you've ever had to, you know, like, I don't know what your world necessarily consists of, but if you had to sit at a desk all day and do a bunch of paperwork and a bunch of, like, calculations in your head, and you're, you know, every now and then I have to do that, and at the end of the day, I'm like, my brain's tired. <laughs> Physically, I've been sitting at a desk. I feel great, but I'm like, I just don't want to do anything. I don't want to talk to anybody. I hope nobody calls. Just leave me. A, like, my brain is tired, you know. Yeah. Uh You know, it's one of those days where I kind of have the joke with Dara sometimes where I'm like, I, I'm out of words. Like, I just... I, that means I don't want to talk, and my mind is just tired. You know, but then there's also a soulish tired, which is where our, our thought life and our emotional realm and all of those things dwell. And yet we can be tired in that place. Physically, you can be fine. Mentally, you can be fine, in your, you know, just in your normal day. To, but yet there's a weight in your soul, but then you can also get spiritually tired. And, uh, you know, and really, uh, you know, even in your soul, one of the things that that you can do to kind of refresh your soul, your, your natural, you know, your mind, your will, your emotions, get away to a place that you enjoy. That's one of the, you know, I mean, you know, Dare loves the beach, I love the mountains, so we try to rotate and, uh, you know, going from one to the other, if you will. But, uh, you know, but I like to fish. I don't even have to catch nothing. I just like being on the water. Uh, you know, I mean, that's just something I enjoy doing. Uh, You know, and so uh, some of you, you just enjoy. I mean, I I remember for years, my mom would go walk. And we always thought that uh, she was walking for health. And she said, no, I'm walking so I don't kill you. And, uh, you know, and so that was her, that was kind of her response. And, uh, you know, but that wasn't a physical thing as much as it was, I need to just get out away from you kids. And I need some space for a moment. And so, you know, she would go and she would walk with a friend. And that was her, kind of her, her soulish happy place, if you will. But then there's also spiritually, and uh, you know, and really we get spiritually tired because everything gets out of balance in our life. Uh, and so our spiritual level begins to dip or begins to drop down to a place where it's no longer sustainable simply because one of these other areas has become too important. Uh, And and the only way, uh, you know, to really spiritually, the only way, and we've shared about this, is to come back to the Lord and allow Him to strengthen and refresh. And so, um, you know, so that's part of what that word selah really means. It's to find a way to catch your breath. Uh, You know, I'm going to read you a couple of verses here. Many of them will be very familiar to you. But in Psalms 91... Verse 1 and 2, it says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of His wing. Now, you're going to hear this word a lot tonight, rest. You know, you can be mentally tired. And like I said, just going to get a good eight-hour sleep ain't going to be enough. I mean, I've had good night's sleep and woke up more tired than when I went to sleep. You ever had those days where you wake up and it's like lunchtime and you're like, I know my eyes are open, but I don't feel awake yet. That may not be a sleep problem. And you may think, well, I just need to lay around, you know. Uh, I just need to kind of take a little bit more of a break. If it's a soulish thing, laying around might actually make it worse. It might not even make it better. I kind of had that this morning. Uh, I had some things on my agenda that I was going to get to, and I woke up, and I got up and started doing my stuff, and I just decided, no, I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to kind of chill here. I'm going to hang out. I'm going to spend some time with the family. I'm not going to do those things. And But it was like the longer I, that I sat there, the more sleepy I got. You know? And I'm like, why am I getting sleepy right now? And, uh, you know, and, and so... But you know, and that's important. But even that, I had to make a decision that, hey, I'm going to spend some time with Max and with there, and I'm going to spend some time at the house today. I'm not going to go do the things that I had planned and uh, for this morning. And, uh, you know, and so he talks about here, he says that those who live, or, or, or let me say it this way, those who uh, habitually make their, uh, their home or their place of frequency the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He says, I will declare about the Lord, He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. You know, and I think it's interesting even how this uh, David writes this. He says that God alone is my refuge. Well, that's speaking of even soulless things. That's not even necessarily speaking of, from a spiritual standpoint, but that man, that God is the one who restores and refreshes my life. Now, you know, and he says that here, and he talks about that God alone is that place for him. In Psalms forty six ten, 10, uh, very familiar passage of scripture as well, and it says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Now, many times in my mind, that means that everything has to stop. You know, and I'm going to share a little bit about this here in a few minutes. But there's a principle here that just says, just take a moment, stop, focus on me. You know, take a minute and remember that I'm God. That's another way you could say that. Be still and remember that I'm God. I'm on the throne. I've got this. Don't become overwhelmed by life. Take a moment, step back and remember that I'm still God. And I'm still on your side. And so many times I believe that we tend to be, and I'm going to say it this way, but there's really twofold. I'm, I'll say it and then I'm going to kind of give you some other words. Uh, many times we tend to be overworked and underrested. Now, when I say overworked, there's another, and I don't mean just, I mean, yes, it can be physical labor. But what, it, what I also believe is that it can be mean to be, to be burdened. Many times we tend to be overburdened and underrested. And now I'm not talking about uh, sleep here. I'm talking about true soul rest. And that word rest actually uh, means renewal, means refreshing happens. There's life that comes. You know, over these last couple of weeks, we've talked about uh, how that Adam was formed, but he wasn't a living being until the breath of God breathed into him and then life came unto him. And that is still true for us today is that, he, that God is the sustainer of our life. Not all these other things. And so, you know, I, I, I kind of think of it this way. That when my relationship with God is right, every other relationship is going to work. It doesn't matter if every other relationship's right. If my relationship with God isn't right, everything else is going to fall apart too. That it's, it, you know, it has to be that first and primary. And so... You know, what I'm really wanting to share with you tonight is about this soul and this spiritual renewal, this rest that comes. And it's more, and here's the thing about God, and I've shared, you know, kind of me and Dara were texting earlier, and she said, uh, she had asked me something, and I told her I was going to continue along the lines of what I've been teaching. She goes, oh, are you going to do, are we going to have a a Holy Ghost nap? You know, I've, I've shared with you about that, where I just spend some time in the presence of God, and I'll just lay down and close my eyes. And I said, "Well, I said, I guess you know, you lead by example, right? And uh, you know, but there is something to that. And I mean, I know it's you know, it may seem like a little funny, but I, I've done this hundreds of times, and it's amazing how much better I can feel in less than ten minutes, allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to me, than I can through a whole night of sleep." And that's what I'm talking about. And that's really what I'm wanting to share with you tonight is about that. Um, because you can't always squeeze in an extra eight hours in a day. Sometimes you can't squeeze an extra eight minutes in a day. You know, and the thing is, is that so many times I think that we look at other people and we're like, oh man, they, they've just got it figured out. If I could just be like them, if I just didn't have the problems I have. and I, We all have 24 hours a day. We have the same 24 hours a day. You know, and it's about, you know, and the thing is, is that time is either spent or it's invested. And we make that determination. It's spent means it's gone. It's over. You know, I mean, I can, and we say it another way: I can waste an hour or I can invest an hour. You know, now I've got nothing, you know, against TV or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I can sit there and veg out and watch TV for eight hours on my day off because it's my day off. And that's what I want to do. But my soul won't be an ounce refreshed from that. As a matter of fact, I might even feel a little worse just because it's TV and it's not really uplifting. But yet I can go take eight minutes and spend it focused with the Lord and come away and be in a completely different mindset, even in my physical body. Um, You know, I mean, the Bible talks about that the same spirit in Romans that raised Christ from the dead is alive on the inside of us and it will quicken our physical body. Well, that's not just talking about healing, although I believe it does apply to that as well. I also believe it has to do with restoring our our physical strength, our physical ability, but also in our mental realm, our soulless realm, our spiritual realm. That same ability of God's alive and available for us. And so, um, you know, one of the things that the Lord has uh, been teaching me and helped me to learn is that um, my schedule won't necessarily always slow down. You know, many times, I mean, you would think like, oh, well, you know, I need to take a couple of days. And that's true. You know, I believe that there are times that, yeah, you need to get away. Yes, you need to take vacations with your family. Yes, you need to spend time with your spouse. Why? Because you do like them. That's why you married your spouse. That's You had kids, hopefully, because you wanted a family. Uh, you know, you shouldn't want to escape from your family. Uh, you know, the Bible says that children are a blessing from the Lord, not a curse. And, uh, you know, and so there are, you know, I mean, there's aspects of that, um, that God gave us, our spouse, and God gave us, our kids, wanted to be a blessing to us. Um, You know, and so, but even in that, um, you know, but schedules don't necessarily just, you know, when I, I guess what I'm wanting to to share is this, is that when I say that we're, you know, calling a timeout, it doesn't mean that life stops. But what it does mean is that, and and let me just, let me, uh, I'll just keep reading the way I wrote it, that way I don't. I wanted to say it a certain way. Uh, One of the things that the Lord has taught me is not that my schedule necessarily slows down, but it's my willingness to steal away moments to catch my spiritual breath throughout the day. And it's vital. I've got, you know, I've really got to, and I said steal away, but you could also say it as prioritize those moments, um, you know, to catch my spiritual breath throughout the day. And it's acknowledging, even if it's, Lord, I need you today. I need your help right now. I need your presence right now. And I might be driving the car, um, you know, running from one place to another, running in air. And I may pray in the spirit. I may pray. I may just worship. You know, and sometimes I just turn the radio off. And I just say, Lord, is there anything you want to talk to me about? And I just get quiet. Uh, You know, I mean, that's just. But it might be five minutes. It might be 10 minutes. It might be whatever the time is, you know. And sometimes I'll just put on praise and worship as I'm going and traveling and, you know, doing those types of things just to catch my spiritual breath. Just say, Lord, I need you to refresh me right now. I mean, there's days that I'm like, Lord, I'm tired. I mean, there's nothing wrong. That's just an honest prayer. Lord, I'm acknowledging I'm tired, and I acknowledge that you can help me not be tired. You know, and I believe that, I mean, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always have to be, um, you know, some amazing moment necessarily, but I've had that happen too, where it just seems like God falls on a moment. It's like, oh my gosh, and he refreshes my soul. And so, um, you know, things won't necessarily always just stop so that we have time to get away with the Lord. Um, But we have to find those moments throughout the day to make uh, God's presence a priority. You know, and it's just, it may just be a few moments. You know, it might be... You go on a walk for 10 minutes and that's the 10 minutes you got today. But that's the 10 minutes you got. You might, I mean, you know, um, you might be cooking dinner. Kids, y'all need to go outside. Y'all got to get away. <laughs> Husband, you need to go somewhere. I don't care where you go. You're a grown man. You go do something else or wife or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, I mean, your shower time. <laughs> I mean, look, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to lock the door. And if anybody picks it. It's that threat of your own life, so just, just know if you come in that door, you might not walk back out and, uh, because that's my time that I need with the Lord. Um, you know, I've talked to many men who talk about this, and they may not even, some spiritual, some not, but they say that one of the things that they do is they take, uh, you know, whether it be their drive home, and they just get quiet to kind of decompress from their day at the office, or the first thing they do when they get home is they go take a shower. Because it gives them separation between work life and family life. And they talk about, man, they need that moment. Well, what if you capitalized on that moment and acknowledged, Lord, right now it's me and you. And I'm a little afraid for my day, and I don't want to snap at my wife. I don't want to snap at my kids. I don't want to go off on somebody. I want to, you know, be able to love on my family and not be afraid by the day. Well, then take advantage of those moments that you have, and uh, you know uh, Jesus actually modeled this uh, with the disciples for us. It comes out of uh, Mark chapter six. Jesus had sent the apostles out, his disciples out, and it says that in verse, uh, Rome, or I'm sorry, Matthew six verse thirty. It says the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. So they've been out being busy, right? They've been out doing the things that Jesus told them to do. And in verse 31, Jesus tells them, he says, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Let's go catch some refreshment for a few minutes. And then he and it says that he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So the, the principle is here. Because you're so busy, you need to rest. You know, there's a famous quote from a guy named uh, Dr. Paul Young E. Cho, who pastors the largest church in the world. And, you know, I have a book from him. and It's about prayer. And, you know, and he talks about this. And he says, you know, my normal is that he prays two hours every morning, which I'm just like, oh, Jesus, that's challenging. <laughs> and, um, but he says, I have so much to do today that I'm going to pray four. Oh, yeah. See, that, that's reverse logic right there. Okay. I have so much to do that I need to pray more. Because I got so much, I need the Lord's help to do it all. You know, and and I believe that that's true for us. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling the disciples here. He says, look guys, you guys have been out ministering. Because of the demands that are being placed upon us, we need to go find some refreshment. We need to go get away, pull away for a few minutes. Now, um, you know, they did get away for a moment, but the people followed. And yet... The grace of God was still there to minister to those people, even though Jesus said we needed to rest because ultimately he feeds 5,000 people right after this moment. And, um, you know, but I believe that there's still the principle that we see that even Jesus himself, and we see that multiple times, where if Jesus being perfect, being, um, you know, God in flesh, needed to take a break sometimes, so do we. And, uh, you know, and and so there's, um, you know, there's just several things in in this that I believe that we have to prioritize this and look for those moments. Because life doesn't always stop, but it doesn't mean that God's not looking to minister uh, life unto us during these times. And so, um, in Genesis chapter 2, Brooke, I gave you the wrong verse. Don't worry about Exodus. In Genesis 2, 2, it's not even on my notes. I guess I deleted it, but I remember where it is. Let me go back. It's a good thing when I know my notes better than my iPad does. (laughs) Genesis 2 2. It says, On the seventh day, after God had finished all of his work of creation, it says, He rested from all of his work. And God declared, uh, or God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was a day when he rested from all of his creation. So God actually established the Sabbath. Now, you know. Doctrinal, you can believe what you believe. Here's the thing about Sabbath. It's not tied to a specific day. Not for us as New Testament believers. It doesn't. It's the principle of Sabbath that matters. You know, I mean, I'll just give you an example. Like Brother Chris over here, I know he doesn't work on Mondays. But he works Tuesday to Saturday and, of course, Sunday. And, well, that means really for him, Monday's probably his Sabbath day. I'm not speaking for him. I don't know. I didn't ask him, but I'm just, but I know his schedule on that way. Well, that's probably his day where it's kind of like, okay, well, this is my day to kind of refresh. God's not upset with him if he does that on Monday. Amen. He's resting from his labor, and so he's going to take the day he has. You know, and I believe that, that there's a principle is that we can't ignore that principle either. We have to prioritize, and it's not just taking a day off. It's prioritizing the presence of God on that day. And really receiving from the Lord everything that we need. And if God rested after six days of labor, then we probably should too. God didn't do it because He needed rest. God did it to establish a principle for us. And so it's important. I want to read you several verses. We're going to roll through these pretty quick. But just want to highlight a few things. But in Psalms 3 verse 5. Um, on, let me go back up here. We'll read you a couple of verses here at the beginning of the chapter. Psalms chapter 3. David writes and says, oh Lord, I have so many enemies and so many are against me. They are saying that God will never rescue me. He says, but you are my shield around me. You're my glory. You're the one who holds my head. And he says, so I cried out to the Lord and he answered me from his holy mountain. So he says all of that and he says, so I have so many enemies. So I laid down and slept. Because I got so many problems, I laid down and took a nap. He says, "Yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me." Amen. You know, other translations say that that the Lord that he said, "I lay down and the Lord refreshed me or strengthened me." In in spite of his circumstances, he made a connection with the Lord where it restored his soul and re- restored his spirit. Psalms twenty three, verse two and three. Um, Very familiar passage. He says, He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews or restores my strength. And He guides me along right paths bringing honor to His name. Psalm 62 verse 1 and 2. It says, I waited quietly before the Lord for my victory comes from Him. I waited quietly before God for my victory comes from Him. Sometimes we would be better off to rest. I mean, we do that, and I'll share this here in a few minutes. We do the natural things we know to do. We pray and we trust the Lord. But many times we would do better off to rest in the Lord than to keep working trying to fix our problems. Now, you've got to have the wisdom of God, but you also can't work to the point of where you're no longer trusting God. That Hey, remember, He is the Almighty. He is the one. He can do more with a Flick of a pinky than we could ever do with all of the strength we could ever muster up. You know, and so uh, he goes on here in verse 2 and he says, He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Many times we get to a place of of burnout or frustration simply because of that. We've not made a priority of the presence of God. And really allowing Him to be that, that fortress and that refuge that we run into. Psalm 73 verse 26 uh, he says, my health may fail and my, and, my, and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart and he is mine forever. My health may fail, my spirit may even grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart or of my life. Uh, Psalms 116 verse 7. I love this. He says, let my soul be at rest again for the Lord has been good to me. Let my soul be at rest because I'm remembering that God has been good. God has been faithful. One of the best things that you can do when you, you know, I've shared this almost every week. Uh, is, and it's just a saying that has really just kind of uh, given me a lot of wisdom through the years. Is to never make a big decision from a low place of spirituality. <laughs> when I'm in a, you know, when my spiritual tank is low, that's probably not the best time to be making big decisions. Amen. I need to go spend some time with the Lord. I need to get refreshed. I need to get strengthened. Why? Because i got to make a big decision. And I want to make sure that I'm doing it from a place that's spiritually healthy, soulishly healthy, if you will. And so those are important. And he says, let my soul be at rest again, for God has been good to me. And I believe that many times when we are, are, you know, maybe facing a circumstance or a situation, one of the best things we can do is to look back at what God has done. Look back at those mile markers, those places in your past where you say, God worked here, God did this, God healed me here, God delivered me here, God provided here. And you do that, and what does it do? It begins to build your faith, it begins to build your strength. And you can say, my soul is refreshed. Why? Because God has been good to me, and God will be good to me. Amen. And it builds that in you. And so we never want to forget, uh, even in the midst of our life, about what, what let me say it this way, is about the God factor. We serve a great God. We serve an almighty God that when we rest and we learn to really prioritize that connection and that life with Him, what it does is it keeps our perspective in the right place. And that's vitally important to our life. It's vitally important to your joy, to your peace, to your comfort, to really even your outlook on your life as, as a whole. And it's important that we never forget the man that God will work for us, but we also have to keep it in priority. Um, You know, and keep our priorities in the right place. You know, I mean, even in my life, which I believe this is for all of us as well, but it pertains especially to me because of my vocation is also tied to the church, is that church is not the number one responsibility in my life. God is the number one responsibility in my life. Right? This is important for you to know, too. Secondly, it's my relationship with Dara. And then Max comes after her. You know, and then... You know, we've got vocation, which for me is church. And then, you know, and my family falls somewhere further down the line. You know, and and so even, um, you know, as far as my extended family, not my immediate family, me and Dara and Max, I mean, that's, we're above church stuff. Now, my extended family, I love my family, but, you know, sometimes it's going to be, hey, I can't come to that. Why? Because, well, this is my job. You know, so there might be a birthday party that I don't get to come to. Why? Because we have service or something like that. If I don't, you know, now if I felt impressed to do that, then I'd make provision to go do it. But, uh, you know, but not always. And so it's important, though, that we have priorities in the right places. But my number one responsibility is my relationship with the Lord. Before pastor, before anything else, my relationship with the Lord is vitally important. Why? Because nothing else works if that one doesn't. You know, and so I've got to keep that as a priority. And, you know, and the thing is, is that it's like I said, my schedule doesn't get less hectic or less busy. But what I have found is that when I find those moments to connect with the Lord and and I take advantage of the moments that I have, because I have the same 24 hours that you have, that when I take advantage of those little moments and, and, and kind of capture those moments and prioritize the presence of God, God can do more in a moment than I can do sitting around and, you know, all those types of things to fix problems or whatever it may be. And so part of it is we do need to do what we know to do naturally. You know, I mean, if you got a bill, you got to go to work, right? But we do pray, but then we also expect God to help and God to work and for God to come in and make and be the difference maker. And so once we've done that, once we do what we know to do naturally, once we pray, we have to, um, we really have to leave it up to God. So we do what we know to do, we pray, we ask the Lord, and then we rest, we leave the rest up to Him, but we rest in Him in that place. Like, God, I'm not going to take on the worry, I'm not going to take on the weight, I'm not going to take on the responsibility. You know, I was reading um, some other things today, and I thought it was funny, it just stuck out to me, where Moses was having a just an honest conversation with God, and he says, God, why did you bring me out here to not tell me where we're going, or where you're taking the children of Israel that you told me I was supposed to lead, you know, and and it, God says, you know, don't worry about it, I'll be with you. And Moses says, yeah, let me remind you, these are your pre- people and your responsibility. <laughs> Moses is talking to God, and he says, these are your people and your responsibility. You know, even as the leader, he was kind of like, hey, this, these ain't my people, and this is your problem, not mine, you know. And I found it really funny because, you know, I, I just I see it happen so many times where people take on responsibility that aren't theirs well-meaning, good-intentioned, very loving people take on re- weight and re- that's not theirs to carry. And they wonder why their soul is wore out. They wonder why they're overburdened because you're carrying a weight that's not meant for you to carry. You know. And so you've got to learn, and I'll say it this way, you've got to learn how to live free. Amen. Trusting that God will be God and that God will do His part and you can find rest in that place. I mean, you know, I'm a fix-it person. If there's a problem, I want to fix it. And the Lord's had to help me learn that, hey, that's not your responsibility. And I'm still not good at it. I'm trying to be better at it. It's an area that I'm still trying. My My wife laughs as I say it, but it's an area that I'm really trying to be good at. You know, here recently, one of the things uh, that we've even talked about, uh, me and her, but even as the staff and the church and leadership, um, is that just because we should doesn't mean that we can. And that's even true in my own life. Like there are things, should I do that? Yeah. But is it feasible? Is it realistic to do that? Or is the cost that it's going to take out of me more more than the benefit that it would produce? Like I'll just give you an example of this kind of because I know it may seem kind of theoretical. Like we had the conversation, like should we do a VBS? Is there anything wrong with VBS? Absolutely not. Is VBS a good thing? Absolutely. Should we probably do something like that? Yes. But can we? Like, what's the collateral damage to our people? Because to me as pastor, that's where I as shepherd have to say the collateral damage is too much for the fruit that it might produce. Does that make sense? Just because you should... Doesn't mean you can. And there's a difference. And you shouldn't feel guilty for having that thought. Amen. Now, obviously, you've got to be led by the Lord. Because there are times the Lord's going to say, you need to do that. And you're going to say, there ain't no way. And the Lord says, well, I'm calling you to do that. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, great. But, all, but don't go on the other side of that. Because, and this happens to a lot of churches. They get busy doing so much stuff that nothing's really effective. Everybody's wore out, everybody's tired, and it's just like, oh my goodness. Church is meant to bring life, not death, Amen. <laughs> right? We celebrate life around here. Well, just because maybe we should doesn't mean that we can. And so sometimes, you know what I mean, like as an example, and I've shared this before, but I have people who call. I call them like, uh, like just leeches. They just suck the life out of you because they want to call and talk about the same problem for 10 years. And I've just gotten to where I'm like, hey, I love you, but I can't have this conversation any longer. I just can't. We've had it for over and over and over. I've told you everything I could possibly ever tell you. And I love you, but I can't let you just suck the life out of me either. Can I listen to them? Sure. Should I? That's a different question. Because, no, you, you are draining to me. And I need that strength and I need that life because God has other things for me to do and I'm going to need it for that. So you've got to be able to find that, those priorities in your life. And sometimes it gets challenging, but sometimes it is saying no. Sometimes it's saying yes uh, to other things. And, you know, sometimes you have to say no to something so you can say yes to other things. Um, you know, and it's important. And so uh, even for us, though, I believe that uh, but we have to learn how to rest in that place. Uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 40 I'll read you several verses, several pieces of of this here. But the Lord is speaking. And he says, who else has held? Now, let me give you the context. Remember about the God factor. I told you, remember, we have a great God. So this is, I want you to, that's the context of where I want you to hear this from. He says, who else has held the ocean in his hands? And yet we worry about some of our problems. And yet God says, really? I can just scoop up an ocean if I wanted to. Who has measured off the heavens with His fingers? Who else knows the the height, or I'm sorry, who else knows the weight of the earth? Or who has weighed the mountains and the hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? And who knows enough to give Him advice or teach Him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does He need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach Him what is right and show Him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than the dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All of the wood in Lebanon's forest and all of Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. So take everything of real value in the world and it still isn't enough of an offering for how incredible God is. He says, the nations of the world are worth nothing to him, and in his eyes they count far less than nothing, mere emptiness and froth. You know, it's like when you go get a Coke, and you get all that fizz on top. I hate that when I go to a restaurant, and they fill it up, and they put a ton of ice, and you get all that. I'm like, let the fizz go down, and then fill it up again for <laughs> me. Like, so I get a full cup. Yeah, that little wasteful fizz, it's worth nothing. That's what say it here. <laughs> Verse 18 says, who... To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble Him? Can He be compared to an idol formed in a mold overlaid with gold or decorated with silver uh, chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that wouldn't, that won't decay and a skillful craftsman to carve an image that it wouldn't fail. Now drop down to verse 25. It says, to whom will you compare me and who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens who created all the stars. He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Every star you've ever seen, God knows it by name, and it didn't go missing when it shot across the sky. He knows where it is right now. He says, O Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Now, he just went through all of this law like, let me remind you that I'm God. Like, Jacob, you're not. Israel is really who he's talking to. I'm God, and I just told you all the reasons why I'm God. And yet you say, doesn't the Lord see my troubles? Look, if we're all honest, we've had moments like that. God, do you hear my prayer? Do you see my problems? Like, God, where are you? What's going on? How can you say that the Lord doesn't see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say that God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even young people will grow weak and tired, and young men will fail or will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust, other King James, New King James say it this way, those who wait upon the Lord will find new strength. It says they will soar high on wings like eagles and they will run and not grow weary and they will walk and will not faint. So, in a nutshell, this is what God says. I want you to remember how great I am. Know that I see where you're at. But remember, I'm the one who restores you. I'm the one who strengthens you. I'm the one who brings life to you. In all of this, he says, look, I see where you're at and I know what's going on. But I need you to remember that I'm God and I'm on your side and I'm the one who brings life to you. And that's important for us to remember is that we can never forget that God perspective, that God part of our life is that we are people, humans even, that have now been what? Come alive unto God. We didn't, you know, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and says, Who's fooled you that what you started in the Spirit, you can now perfect in the flesh? Well, I didn't get into this new way of living on my own. As a matter of fact, myself, my flesh, got me into more death and God had to rescue me. Because He's the one who restores. He's the one who refreshes. He's the one who brings life. Oh, I got ahead of myself. Now I'm at Genesis 2. It was further down than I remembered. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1. says, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day God rested from His creation so that He rested from all of His work. That re- word rest there means to desist from exertion or weariness. Things that are wearing you out. God rested he caught his breath. I mean, that's what the word spirit means. Is it's the breath. We've talked about this in recent weeks. The Holy Spirit is literally the breath of God. That fresh breath that comes into our life. So when we rest, it means that we've got to stop or desist anything that, that, we, that exerts energy or weariness. Now again, it doesn't mean you just get to call in and say, I'm going to take a rest day at work. I mean, you can rest, but not get rested. It's not automatic. (laughs) It says that God rested from his work. Now, what's that word? Work means it's occupation, business, work, service. Could be a lot of different things. But sometimes, you know, and and this is the way in my mind is that we must uh, rest from our labor. Here's the thing. It's a spiritual law, and we can't violate it. We just can't. I can't. You can't. Nobody can It's a spiritual law that God established and said, look, after I had worked, I rested. So after we work, we've got to rest. But it's again, we're not talking about just sleep. We're talking about a soul, a spirit rest. And it's necessary and it's so important for us to live in this. You know, I love this verse. Years ago, the Lord stirred it up in me, and I just brought it back during a certain time of my life, and it's just become something that I go back to. Um, but it comes out of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus speaking. And He says, Come to me, this is the uh, HCSB, I'm going to read you a couple of translations of it, but He says, uh, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, All of you, take my yoke and learn from me. It tells me it doesn't just come. We have to learn how to do this. Jesus says, take my yoke, but learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Amplified here where he talks about uh, that you would find rest. It actually says it this way. It says that you would find rest or renewal or a blessed quiet for your soul. A blessed quiet in your soul. You know, just because there may be chaotic things happening around you doesn't mean that that has to be the state on the inside of you. There ought to be a, a, a calmness and a peace in our heart. And, and that can only, and we, let me say it this way, we can only be at peace when we're truly rested. You know, the other night I was trying to do something on a, you know, I was trying to work and do something and it, my mind was tired. I had overdone it last week on some things. And so here I am the first of this week trying to do some stuff. And my mind was just not there. You ever have those moments? You know, this isn't anything, this is just a natural, my mind was, it was one of those days, I'm out of words, like I just, I'm out of words, I'm out of thought, I'm just, my mind is just not there, and finally I just got frustrated, I was like, I'm just going home, forget it, come back tomorrow, because tonight it just ain't going to happen for me, you know, and and there are days like that, and uh, you know, but, and we all have those moments, we all have those days. But there still is this, is that, man, there's, there ought to be this quietness in my soul. And the thing is, is that even in that moment, it's easy to get frustrated and yell and act a fool and to lose my cool or whatever it may be. But yet I believe that I can actually still be in that place and still be completely at peace where I don't lose my cool. And I don't act like a jerk to my wife or, you know, do things to different people or whatever it may be. No, that I can actually be at a place where I'm rested in my soul, even if I'm physically exhausted. That I can still walk in the peace of God, the love of God. I mean, like I can still love people regardless if I'm tired. If I can't love people, that's a sign that I'm spiritually or soulishly exhausted. Because spiritual is more real than the natural. And so even if I'm physically tired, if my soul and spirit are in the right place, I can still walk and be who God's called me to be. Even if I don't have it within myself, I can tap into the life of God on the inside of me. And I can draw it from that place. But it has to be in the well to pull it up. You're going to pull up an empty bucket from an empty well. And so that's where catching these moments throughout the day come in. And finding those, you know, like I said, it might be a few minutes here or there. Make the most of them. Capitalize on those. Don't just spend time, invest time in things that are going to bring back into your life. The Amplified Bible of this same passage here says, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? He says, Come to me and get away with me and you'll recover your life. He says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Which means that we can take rest that's not restful. He says, walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Now that sounds like real poetic and beautiful and nice. And it's like, well, that's wonderful. But there's actual reality here. It's not just theory. There's actual, real substance behind these words. We can learn to live lightly and freely. But it's going to be when we have the breath of God, that life, that wind blowing through our heart. You know, last week I gave you the example of a sail on a sailboat. And many times we try to live life and it's like we're trying to blow wind into a big old sail trying to get a boat moving. We don't even contain the ability to move that thing. We need the breath of God to come in. Well, the same is true for us spiritually. We need that fresh breath from the Lord to come through and to blow through our heart, through our soul, through our life. Why? Because there's refreshing that comes. There's strength that comes. There's life that comes. It's the goodness of God that he's bringing into our life that brings health, that brings strength, that brings joy, that brings healing, that brings all of the blessings of God. But it comes when what? When we get into the presence of God. You know, I can't not spend time with the Lord and then blame him for my problem. He's like, look, I already gave you a, I gave you what you needed. Plus some. I just need you to walk in it. Just like it says, I need you to walk with me. In other words, you know, and and here's, you know, and it's a saying that I've used many times. I don't remember where I first got it, but somebody else. And, um, you know, but I I see it to be true in scriptures that God won't do for me what he's given me the ability to do for myself. So, as an example, God's not going to force me into a relationship with him. He's given me the ability to choose to have a relationship with him. So now it's my choice. He's willing and ready and able, waiting. But he's just waiting on me to capitalize on that. Why? Cuz he's given he's I have free will. I can choose to sit and watch TV or, you know, be busy doing other things or I can choose to, you know, just kind of run my errands and veg out mentally and just turn the radio on and just do it or I can capitalize on those moments and say, "God, you're the source of my life." And today, I I I need to draw up from that well. The psalmist wrote and calls it the well of salvation. I love how he says, he says, with joy you'll draw up from the wells. It's not drudgery. It's not just like, oh my gosh, I got to do this again. But it's God. I mean, you know, I mean, right now we're in the midst of summer. It's hot, you know. You get outside for a little while and it's like, oh my gosh. And you get something cold. And it's just like, oh my gosh. Oh yes, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Why? Because you're really hot and you need something to cool you off. Well, the same thing is true. You know, I mean, even a nice, gentle breeze come blowing through and it's like all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, it's still as hot as it was. The temperature didn't drop, but that breeze made all the difference in the world. It made it feel a lot better. You get into the shade, and the wind starts blowing, all of a sudden you forget it's summer. Psalms 91. Come underneath the shadow of the Almighty. The temperature doesn't change, but your experience of those conditions has greatly changed. You've gotten into the shade and there's the breath of God blowing through your life. And all of a sudden it's like, well, hey, my circumstance didn't change. But man, what I sense and what my experience is in this moment is totally different. And that's what we're talking about is is just really finding those moments, those times to connect with the Lord. I mean, because if you're in a place where you're spiritually dry, you got to go to the well. Well, I need to have something in that well. You've got to have something in that well to pull from. Because that's really the source of our life. It, it, it's salvation. And it's to be experienced in the here and the now, not just one day in heaven. It's right now living. Um, you know, I have a, a gentleman that I know, he's a minister, but he wrote a book called Resurrection Life. You know, and that's what we're called to live. We're to live life through the resurrection of Christ. No longer on our own, no longer by ourselves but now pulling from what He has done for us. And when we can do that, doesn't mean your circumstances change, but your experience of those circumstances great, changes greatly. And you'll find yourself being refreshed and, and not being frustrated and being strengthened. And you'll look back going, man, how in the world did I walk through that? That was the easiest season of my life, but looking back, that was some junk. But I was able to walk right through it because the Lord was with me. Because here's the thing, even in the best of times, minus the Lord's presence, you'll look back and be like, that looked really good, but man, I don't remember it feeling very good when I was there. Why? Because what makes the difference is our connection to the Lord. And that only is going to come when we prioritize Him. And to take those moments and to find those little interruptions in our day, interruptions in our life, to draw our strength from Him, remembering, God, you're my source. You're the strength of my life. And I'm going to run to you to find that in my life. So I just want to encourage you, uh, you know, here in the next week, whatever it may be, the next couple days, find some time. Look for those moments where you can find some strength to pull from, I mean, the Bible says the greater one lives on the inside of us. So you ain't got to go anywhere. He's already there. So you just need to tap in. And in a sense, you could say it this way is make a withdrawal. But it's just like in the bank. You don't get to make withdrawals if you ain't made no deposits, right? Because they're going to be like, we got no money for you. The same is true spiritually. We got to make some spiritual deposits so that we can make some spiritual withdrawals when we need them. Amen?